0: Is the verse that God put on my heart for this Sunday morning after the meeting. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto Thy name give glory. For Thy mercy and for Thy truth's sake. The subject of Psalm 115 is that of glory, giving glory to God. The word glory, if you look it up, it is defined as honor, reverence. Praise, ascribed in adoration and honor. In other words, if I could put it in Rowan County language, and when I say Rowan County language, I don't mean no more cuss, somebody help me. But when I put it in Rowan County language, it's just bragging on Jesus, bragging on the Lord. Here's what the psalmist said. There is a, in this text, there is a, I got this real pretty outline, and I may give it to you and I may not. I just may testify and shout and cry for a minute. But in this text, there is the refusal of this glory. He said, Not unto us, O Lord... Not unto us. In other words, he said, I want to make sure that nobody uh, gives any glory to me. I want to make sure nobody gives any adoration to me. That ought to be the prayer of this church. That ought to be the prayer of this preacher. Is that nobody would get any praise in this place. No preacher, no singer, no choir, uh, no Sunday school teacher. Uh, Nobody would get any praise in our church. Not unto us, O Lord. Not unto us. I'm reminded of that man named Herod in Acts chapter number 12. Uh, who went out before the people in his royal apparel and sat on the throne and he spoke to the people. And the Bible said, and all the people gave shout saying, is the voice of a God and not of a man. And you know what happened to that man? The Bible said the angel uh, of the Lord, uh, the, the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. You know, I wonder if God went back to doing that in some of our churches and choirs and pulpits. I I wonder how many people would drop dead uh, because it's a performance and it's not giving glory to God. I tell you, choir, when you sing, you ought not get up to perform. Uh, we ought to practice and do our very best. We ought not make a mess for Jesus. Somebody say amen right there. Oh, uh, But we're not singing to perform. Uh, we're not singing for a hand clap or an attaboy. Uh, but we're lifting up our voice unto the Lord. And we're giving God the glory. Uh, when we open up the Word of God to preach, it shouldn't be so people would say, what a preacher. Or what a message. Or what what an orator, oh, but it ought to be what a savior and what a God and what a Lord. He there is the refusal of this glory, not in us, O oh Lord, not in us. There's the righteousness of this glory. But unto thy name give glory. The praise must be directed from us and to the Lord Jesus Christ. In our text specifically this morning, he mentions that we are to give glory to the name of the Lord. Psalm 717, I will praise the Lord according to His righteousness, and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm 29, 2, I quote it often. I give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. Psalm 113, verse 3, talking about that millennial reign kingdom from the rising of the sun... Under the going down the same the Lord's name is to be praised that means when you get up in the morning you ought to praise God that means when you go to bed at night you ought to praise God amen in fact there's what the word of God said in Psalm 150 verse 6 let everything that hath breath praise the Lord praise ye the Lord there's the refusal of this glory in verse number 1 there's the righteousness of this glory in verse number 1 but then there's the reason for this glory watch what he says for thy mercy, and for thy true sake and I love this now there are many other reasons why we ought to give God the glory uh, but the psalmist possibly David we don't know uh, but, but the psalmist gives two uh, specific reasons that we ought to give him glory he said for thy mercy sake amen I tell you when you think about God's mercy and the fact that you did not get what you deserve you deserve to be in hell uh, you deserve to be lost without God for eternity uh, but the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Uh, His mercy endured forever. And thank God He didn't give us what we deserved, uh, but He gave us mercy, thank God. And then He said, for thy truth's sake. You look up that word truth there. It means firmness. It means faithfulness. Amen. He said, I want to give God the glory for saving me and I want to give God the glory for staying with me. Amen. There's been times I've felt the Lord, and may have walked away from Him, oh, but thank God He never walked away from me. In fact, when I draw nigh to God, He'll make up the difference and He'll draw nigh to you is what James said. I'm thankful this morning uh, for His mercy and for His truth. And for just a few minutes this morning I want to preach on this thought out of this psalm. Give Him the glory. Had a borrow Brother Kurtz title, but I think it's a good one. I think that's what the psalmist's heart is in this text when he says, Not unto us, O Lord, not in us, but in Thy name give glory for Thy mercy and for Thy true sake. I just want to give you three quick things this morning. Very quick. I know you're tired and I know you've worked hard this week, but let me give you three quick things about giving God the glory in this psalm. First of all, I want us to note in verses 2 through 11, the realness of, of His person. Why should we give God the glory? Well, when we consider the realness or the reality of His person, I notice in verse number 2 there is the criticism that is spoken. Here's what the heathens say in verse 2. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? By by the way, the heathens still saying that this morning. Uh, You let a tragedy happen. uh, You let trouble come. uh, You let heartaches come. And they'll say, yeah, where's your God at now, church? Where's your God at Now, big preacher, uh, where's your God at now, Christian? Uh, You say you love God, you go to church, you give your money, you try to serve God, and troubles come and heartaches come. Where is your God? And that is a question that even sometimes uh, in the trial or in the storm or in the difficulty, uh, you may not ask it out loud, uh, but in your heart you're wondering, where is God at? I mean, where is God? He said He'd be a friend that will sit closer than a brother. He said, I'll never leave you uh, nor forsake you. But you feel like Job. Uh, You look on your left hand on your right hand you looked all around and you can't find God the criticism that is spoken but notice in verse number 3 the comfort that is stated watch what he says but but our God is in the heavens he hath done whatsoever he hath pleased he said where is God at the heathen said where is your God and the psalmist I'll tell you where he is he's right where he's always been on his throne Uh, somebody said one time they lost a child and the he said, where was God at when my son died? And the preacher said, the same place he was when his son died. He's still on the throne, and he's still in charge, and he's still uh, ruling and reigning. Amen. And one day that kingdom uh, will be set up on this earth, and this thing will run right for the first time in eternity. Oh, but until then, it comforts my heart to know uh, that Biden's not in charge, and Putin's not in charge, and Rocket Man's not in charge, and Trump's not in charge but Jesus is on the throne God's on the throne Amen I notice not only the criticism that is spoken the comfort that is stated but then I notice the comparison that is seen look at verses 4 through 8 he begins to compare the false gods of the wicked to our God well here's what we know about their gods in verse 4 their gods are created Look at verse 4. Their idols are silver and gold. The works of men's hands. You see, uh, they reached down in gold and dust and dirt. And they made their gods. But that's not our God this morning. Our God was not created. In fact, we didn't have to reach down and get God and form Him. Oh, but Genesis 2, 7 said to the Lord, God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Amen. God spoke everything into existence. He said, let there be life. And there was life. He told the stars to hang there. He, he told everything. Oh, but when he got down to making man, God, if you would, got on His hands and knees, and He picked up a scoop full of dust, and He breathed and formed man, and breathed into His nostrils of the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Aren't you glad I'm not dependent on me helping God out? Uh, God, did, God was here before I got here. He'll be here long after I'm gone in eternity. Thank God. that Their gods are created, but our gods... God's not look on in the psalm, y'all y'all just helping y'all any look at this. Their gods in verse number five and six, their gods cannot communicate. Verse five, they have mouths, but they speak not, eyes they have but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses they have, but they smell not. Uh, Their gods cannot answer prayers. Their gods cannot see them. Their gods cannot hear them. Uh, Their gods cannot discern. That's what the smell speaks of. Oh, but aren't you glad this morning uh, that our God sees and our God hears and our God speaks and our God understands. Thank God. Nobody understands, preacher. Uh, There's one on the throne who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities and Jesus knows all about it. Thank God. Thank God I know Him this morning and He knows me. Their gods are created. Their gods cannot communicate. Verse 7 and 8, their gods are not capable. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet they have, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are likened to them. So is everyone that trusts in them. Their gods can't mend a broken heart. Their gods cannot assist with their needs. Their gods have no life, and those that worship these gods are dead in their trespasses and sins, according to Ephesians 2. But notice the conduct that is summoned. Look at verse 9 through 11. Since our God's not fake, and our God's not created, since our God can communicate, and since our God is capable, there's a conduct that's summoned. Look at verse 9, 10, and 11. Oh Israel, trust thou in the Lord. Verse 10, O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. Verse 11, ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. In fact, here's what he's saying. He's saying, if if you know that God is real, and you know that God is alive, and our God's not created, and He was not made from men's hands, then you ought to trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not thine own understanding, and in all thy ways acknowledge Him. He shall direct thy paths. That leads to the confidence that is sure. The latter part of these verses. O Israel, trust in the Lord, for He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord, He is their help help and shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord, He is their help and shield. You know what he just did? He just covered three groups there. He covered Israel. That's the chosen people. He he chose Aaron. He mentioned Aaron. That's the chosen tribe. That's the Levi. But then he said, and everybody else that fears the Lord. I got it. I wasn't of Israel, and I wasn't of the house of Aaron, but I got in on that last one. Because uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. And I'm glad uh, that I got saved, and I can trust in the Lord. Here's why. Because He is my help, and He is my hiding place. That shield is something you can get behind from. And aren't you glad uh, that we have one who helps us, and one that can hide us? Why should we give God the glory? Because of the realness of His person. Number 2, verses 12 through 16. Number two, not three. Number two. two. I didn't want all the women. To... My, my, my wife said, we're going to walk out on your third point. I said, man, I have, usually have walking out on the introduction. Hey, Amen. <laughs> Some of them wanted to walk out yesterday, man. Notice not only the realness of his person, but notice the resources of his provision. We're not only to give the Lord glory because of who he is, but also for what he does for us. Look at verse 12. I'm just walking through these verses. He's mindful. Look at verse 12. Somebody said, where would you get that? Verse 12. The Lord is mindful of us. <laughs> See, you ain't got to write good sermons, guys. You just got to find them. They're all in there, amen? He is mindful. That word mindful means to cause, to be remembered, to keep in remembrance. That does not mean that God forgot. But that word remember there is the idea of being remembered in a will some of y'all maybe sit down in a family estate reading of a will and they'll go down through there and say sir you were remembered in this individual's will and they'll begin to tell you all the benefits that you'll have because you were remembered in the will aren't you glad uh, that God remembers us and there's a whole lot of benefits uh, we are actually heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ you see this morning uh, I have two other siblings uh, I'm the only one that got a brain out of the three uh, but, but uh, I have two other siblings and, and, and mom and dad may not have a lot of earthly things but one day let's say they had a, a reading of the wheel and so they go down through there and they would say Josh you get this and Rebecca you get this and Samuel you get this what's mine's mine you better believe that and what's Rebecca's Rebecca's and what's Samuel's Samuel's that's it we are heirs but if we are joint heirs that means what's Rebecca's is mine that means what's Samuel's is mine that means and much I hate to admit it what's mine is theirs amen I tell you we are joint heirs well here's what the Bible says We are heirs and joint heirs. With who? Jesus Christ. That means what He has is what I have. Amen. And I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. So I said, preacher, He don't get nothing from me. That's why we ought to give Him our praise and our worship and our adoration and love and love honoring to Him. He's mindful. What is man art mindful of Him? or the son of man thou wouldest visit Him. By him poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. He's mindful. Verse, verse number 12, verse 13, I've already hit this. He's merciful. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. But watch, those throws us in there too in verse 13. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. I'm glad He blesses Israel. I'm glad He'll bless that house of Aaron. But I'm glad He put that little line in there, ye that fear the Lord, because that included me. Think about it. None of these groups deserve the blessings of God. Israel was disobedient, had doubts and defilement. The house of Aaron had idols, intoxication, and insulting. The sons of Aaron brought strange fire. And they were drunk when it happened. And you and I have faults, failures, and foolishness. But the Lord blesses us. Why? Because He's merciful. Verse 14, He's more. That ain't good English. I'm sorry, Miss Linda. But it fits my alliteration. Amen. Here's what I mean. Verse 14, the Lord shall increase you more and more and your children. God said, I'm not just going to bless you, but I'm going to bless them babies. Yeah. Hey, why does He do that? Because He's merciful. Right. I know y'all get tired of hearing me, hearing me tell personal stories, but I can't tell y'all's personal stories because it's personal. But I, I, I saw the Lord not only increase me more and more, but I've seen Him do it for my children. Back, back we And I know y'all I told you this, but I've only lived once, only have only had so many life experiences. But I wrote it in my notes last night, and I'm going to read it, bless God. Daxon filled out one of them Timothy conference cards for twenty bucks. I didn't even know it. Until I was going through the cards that night and I saw his handwriting. He don't get an allowance. His allowance is he lives in my house and eats my food. and Not taking a Braves game. That's his allowance. Okay. If you do allowance, that's fine. But I didn't, we didn't have allowance when I was growing up. We just used allowed to live here. That was what we was allowed. Amen. And I'm like, he don't. You know, he got some money in the piggy bank, but you know, and 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 I, I just, I just, and I, I man, I was gonna pay it. I was going to make sure he had it. I was going to stick $20 in his wallet or something. And I was just proud. And I put a little post on Facebook. $170 ended up coming in. On that, tw- He gave his 20 And God gave him 150 on top of that. What was that? I was God increasing you more and more. <laughs> and my children. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Aren't you glad that the resources that he provides, we ought to give him the glory. He is more. Verse 15 and 16. He's the maker. You are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. The heaven. Even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth hath He given to the children of men. I thought about this. Have you ever considered who is blessing you? Y'all know I, I'm not I'm not big in the science or anything like that. But I did do some. I, I googled some things last night. Amen. Mel used to say, I don't google. I'm a nice guy. He didn't know what googling was. Alright. But uh. I got, to reading about, I got to reading last night. Did you know on the earth there are 326 million trillion gallons of water on the earth? And God made all that water on creation day. He ain't made no more water since that day. Yeah, so Ecclesiastes says, The Grand Canyon is about 277 miles long with a width of 18 miles wide and a depth of 5,000 feet deep. Put there by the ark, by the, by the flood in Noah's day in the ark. I don't know if the ark slid through there or what happened to make That Mount Everest stands at 29,032 feet. It's considered the tallest point on earth. The Mariana Trench, where Megalodon lives. Oh, yes, friend. Seven miles deep. No, I hadn't seen the movie yet. Okay. Uh, if you were seven miles deep, if you were to place Mount Everest at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. It would still be seven thousand feet below sea level, and the God that made all that fed your babies this week, and put gas in your car, and put clothes on your back, and put breath in your body—the God that made all these massive things—I want you. I can't get my mind wrapped around Mount Everest being seven thousand feet deep underwater, but God did that. And he put he put a Bojangles biscuit on my desk this morning. And he's met my needs. I ought to give Him the glory. Number three. I'm going to let y'all walk out. So everybody like, where are they going? They're going to fix the food, okay? Why should we give Him the glory? The realness of His person. The resources of His provision. But note the responsibility of His people. Verse 17 and 18. Notice the dead silence. Verse 17. The dead praise not the Lord. Neither any that go down in the silence... The psalmist states the fact that those that are dead, speaking physically, dead, they're not going to praise God. The reason they cannot is because they lack breath and because they lack life. You know why a lot of people don't praise God? Because they're dead. Notice the dead silence. Notice the declarative statement, verse 18. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth. And forevermore. He makes a decision in this verse. He makes up his mind. Well, the dead people ain't going to do it. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to bless the Lord. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, the Calvinist, Praise is the rent that God requires for his mercy. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I like what Keith Voss said. He, that, he said, I believe a lost man ought to praise God. He's got breath in his body. Yeah. He said, the dead praise not the Lord, but everybody's alive. Daxon's little, and we walked out one day and I heard a bird sing. I said, you hear that bird? He's singing, praise the Lord. Da, Dax said, he ain't singing. I said, that's what he is. He's praising the Lord. Every time that deer sing, he's praising the Lord. Amen. Every, t- every time, every time uh, that eagle soars in the sky, he's praising the Lord. I would say every time that rattlesnake shakes his tail, he's praising the Lord, but that's just the devil still in that thing, all right? But I'm just telling you, even creation praises God. And creation doesn't have a soul, Brother Gene. Creation, they'll die and go to the dust. They don't have a soul. I'm sorry. They have a spirit, but they don't have a soul. But we have a body, soul, and spirit, and God saved us. I don't want no bird that's going to die and go to nothing, giving God more praise and singing to God more than I do. I, I don't want some animal only have, that, that Jesus didn't die for praising God more than I do. He makes a, the dead silence, a declarative statement. And notice, and I'm going to use a, a big fancy church word, but it's the word doxology. That simply means praise to God. The doxology shouted. If you look up the word doxology in a dictionary, you know what it means? Praise the Lord. And watch the last three words of our text. Praise the Lord. Here's what I love this psalmist did. Now watch this now. A lot of people talk about praising the Lord. A lot of people say, yep, yeah, the Lord's worthy. We ought to praise Him. Many of you have said this morning, while I've tried to preach this sermon in the last 22 minutes, and said, that's right, preacher. We ought to praise the Lord and give God the glory. But the last three words of this Psalm sets Him apart from the rest of us. Because He not only talked about praising the Lord, you know how He stopped at the end of the Psalm? He did it by saying it. Praise the Lord. Talk cheap. He put His praise in action and said it's right to praise Him we ought to praise Him so in light of that praise the Lord David